friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, Complete Oilers breakdown coming up in a flash. That dancing man over there is excited to be back. We'll get you your feedback on what you would like to see from the Oilers moving forward. The Jays' bats are no longer warming. They are hot, and one of the best golfers in the world just said, love, peace, and hair grease to the PGA Tour. All that is coming up. But first things first, before first things first, Jesse Rubinoff is back from what looked like a wonderful family golf vacation. Yeah, no, well, first of all, that golfer was me. I actually said no to, the, to live golf. I said, uh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to join the tour. Um, I'd rather go on know, golf vacations. I don't know if you heard the story, but it's the exact opposite. I know you're back from vacation, and obviously <laughs> you weren't paying attention all that much, but Dustin Johnson said the exact opposite. He said, right. give me the money, of course. love, peace, and hair of grease course. to the PGA Tour. So when you get your offer, you will have the morals that perhaps Dustin Johnson... Right. I, uh, I, I did not um, play like I deserve to be on any tour, right. let's just say. Uh, but the trip was incredible. Uh, dad and brother, and the scenery was ridiculous. We went to uh, Big Cedar Lodge in uh, Springfield, Missouri, or just outside Springfield, Missouri. This is the Ozarks. This is the Ozarks. So this right. is uh, one There's of the Jason matches. Bateman there. Yeah, well, my dad put, um, he called it, he dubbed it the Marty Bird Invitational. <laughs> nice. And he put it on the balls, and he yeah. had his little uh, ball markers and stuff, too. Uh, but there was a match there between Tiger, uh, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, and Rory, I believe it was, uh, they played the first round at one of the courses there. Right. And since then, it sort of has become one of the, the new true tourist attractions. I still think it's pretty quiet, right. all things considered, because there's five golf courses on that complex. Right. And two of them are par threes, but it's just spectacular and beautiful. And I think it's in the coming years probably going to become a big But it's one. literally like just a tourist trail. And we've seen this across the United States yeah. now, where they put a couple of really nice golf courses in an area and hope to attract people to... An area that hadn't attracted people before. That's exactly right. what it is. Like who? Who? I mean, no offense to Springfield, Missouri, but like who? Who else is? What are you traveling Whenever, there for? Right. Whenever you say no offense to, They're you're going to follow with yeah. a with a right hand of the exactly. face. Yeah. yeah, but it was amazing. No offense to Missouri, yeah. but who the hell is going there anyway? Well, people are now. I can tell you that it, it was a lot of fun. I played like hot garbage, but I mean that's secondary to. Uh, the scenery. Uh, what, uh, can I, one quick question? Yeah. I think I commented on a couple of your photos. Beautiful, gorgeous photos and or videos of mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but none of the family. Did the brother and dad not want to pose with you? Do they not want to be a part of your now lavish celebrity lifestyle? Like, what's going on here? No, no, they're, they're well, t- I was going to say they're quiet. They're not exactly quiet. But, you know, the brother's got his own social media thing going, and dad was kind of... Don't, you know, don't worry about it. You got your own uh, social media life. You know, content's oh, king. Nice. Right? Was dad filming? Uh, no, dad was On not dad's filming. birthday? No, was dad, dad filming dad was on dad's filming. birthday? No, 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 he was not. Brother was filming. Brother was filming, yeah, right. a lot of the time. Get a little hitch in your swing. Anyways, enough yeah, chit-chat. I knew that we'll, was coming. We'll put you back to work, starting with first things, I guess, <laughs> second now. So lead the way, Bobby Tway. All right. Let's do it. First things first. We got to get in the course. You and me. You and I? Yeah. All right. Like, when, when's that going to happen? We need a Tim well, we, and Friends outing already. It's the, getting kind of ridiculous. The, the problem with this show and having kids is, like, there are other shows in our time slot that just show up and do the thing, and they mm-hmm. played golf all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we have to prepare for this show. And unfortunately, we can't really play. Like, we could probably get out at it's 7 a.m. It, it has to be a weekend has or to be a 7 a.m. Yeah, and with kids and sports, my weekends are kind of sort of busy. I mean, I'm off this weekend for a baseball tournament. I'm off next weekend for a baseball tournament. And my daughter is pissed right now because I don't know if you heard, but her birthday gift was Justin Bieber concert. That's and it, is, it has been canceled in Toronto. Well, I hope Justin Bieber's what okay. What is it, like laryngitis or something? I have no idea. Got a cold, voice. got a something. You probably, knock on wood, think that it's one of those things that yeah. uh, everyone's talking about these days. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's COVID is out yeah. there. Yeah, well... Yes, it is. Right. So uh, there, there, this is busy times. This I was going to go down a road right there, now. but I'm, just, I'm not. I'm going to zip it. I was going to go down a road of you know traveling and COVID being a thing. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go down that road. Okay, good. Let's, yeah. let's go down the road of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, the season was on the line for the Edmonton Oilers, and they put forth a gutsy effort to stay alive, but ultimately they came up short. Arturi Lekkinen scored just a buck nineteen into overtime, sending the Avs to their first Stanley Cup final since 2001 and ending the Oilers season. Timmy, tough way to go out, but what do we learn from this series? I learned a lot. I learned so much that I thought that we needed to send this out as an engager to our audience because I had like 15 different answers to this question Mm -hmm. in our morning meeting, and I thought, why don't we just ask the audience as well? Because, listen... I said this before, I firmly believe it. Either you win in the postseason or you are building. And are you building the right way? And I think when the Oilers finished off, when Arturi Lekkinen for the second straight year scored a goal that put his team into the Stanley Cup final, amazingly, the Oilers could hold their heads high knowing that they are going on the right trajectory. I don't think that they lost that game and thought, oh, dear God, there goes our one chance. And there are teams that go out, and you know that that's the case. I don't think the Oilers are in that group. I think they are building the right way. I think they're closer. I think there are some tweaks that they need to make. And I'm sure when we open it up to the audience, we may get a few suggesting that they need goaltending. (laughs) But what I do know is they have the best player on planet Earth. And they have the best player on planet Earth by a significant margin. And the second best player on planet Earth is probably Kale McCarr. And the third best player on planet Earth could be Leon Dreisaitl. And Leon Dreisaitl was an absolute horse in that series. And if anyone thought that he was just the guy that played with McDavid, you found out you were wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, those four primary assists on what was one leg was astonishing. And when it went to overtime, I just wrote down, like, I don't know if anyone's had that. There's a game out here with a bunch of stars going toe-to-toe, and I don't think that you can say anyone's had a better game than Leon Drysaddle and Kale McCarr had five points at that point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. I guess he had four points and then he got the primary assist and the game winner, but he ended up with five points. But either way, I think that if you look at this team, this Edmonton Oilers team, they're going in the right direction and part of that is because they found themselves a head coach right. as well. And I think Jay Woodcroft might be priority number one slash two. And then you've got the rest, which include Evander Kane and all those things. But there are a lot. Like, what did you take from this series? What did you learn from this series? Do you, if you, do you want to piggyback on anything that I've said? I don't want to put words in your mouth and make you go another way. No, no. I, well, I, think I realize you're tired from a whole weekend of golf in what seemed like a wonderful spot. Did I get spot. a tan at all or anything? You got or the, a little red, yeah. A little red, yeah. yeah. Not enough sunscreen was applied. 
Uh, I, I actually think um, it's, it's hard to believe that where we sat and the discussions that we had about the Oilers midseason and how we were, I don't think we were writing them off, but a, a lot of people were being fifth in the Pacific Division before Jay Woodcroft came over. I don't think this was feasible at that time that they would make it this far. Nah. And they got themselves a coach who, although you know they allowed a lot of goals in the postseason, he brought this sort of defensive structure that changed the identity of the team. And I think another thing that you really learned from this series is that you had contributions. They always talk about it being a two-man show in McDavid and Drysdale, and to some extent it is. But when you brought over Evander Kane and he did what he did, scoring 13 goals in the postseason, and Zach Hyman, who was probably the top free agent signing, he definitely panned out with 11 goals mm-hmm. in the postseason. So this team, I think, deserves some credit for being a little bit deeper than people gave them credit for throughout a lot of the season. Now, there are obviously some issues, and we have some responses uh, addressing some of those issues from the fans. Um, but they went further than I think a lot of people thought they were going to. Yeah, and I think that's where you draw the depth that you're speaking of, the head coach that you're speaking of, and the numbers are pretty significant. Under Woodcroft in the regular season, they went 26-9-3. and The points percentage was 724, almost 200 points better than they were under Tippett. Goals a game went up. Goals against went down. Five-on-five goals a game mm-hmm. went up. Five-on-five goals against went down. Like, all of the numbers suggest that this was a different team under Woodcroft. Then you win two rounds under Woodcroft, and both Drysaddle and McDavid are playing maybe the best hockey Ridiculous. of their lives, and both of them have heart trophies. I, I, I think that this is the right direction, and we'll talk to Mark Spector a little bit more about it. We'll see if Evander Kane remains part of that depth. But what are the folks saying on the Twitter machine? So uh, we asked them, like you said, uh, what did you learn from that series against uh, the Colorado Avalanche? Uh, Ryan writes in and says, Them, like most teams, need to keep room on their cap for a decent goaltender. They will be back next year. Wes says, Winning the Battle of Alberta is meaningless if you get swept in the next series. That's we, a bit of a hot take. Can we? Uh, can you go away from the screen? Now click on Wes and, and ask, see if he's a Flames fan. Is there any way that you can do some internet sleuthing in about 25 seconds and see if he's a Flames fan? I got it. Yeah, I got it. You can go back to the, you can go back to the screen. Anytime, anytime you want to go back to the screen. Yeah, there you go. Calgary, Alberta. Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's really, really good. Look at the bio, by the way. I don't tweet. I'm a reply guy. I wouldn't follow me. (laughs) That's so good. You know what, Wes? I got some respect for you. I got some respect for that. Thank you for the response, Wes, nonetheless. No, no, we appreciate your response. I just wondered (laughs) if if there was some sort of bias. Everyone has just a little bit of bias. Sometimes you have to dig a little deeper to find it. Can we remind people what the head coach of what I believe to be Wes's hockey team said before the playoffs started? I know where you're going with this. You and I, when Daryl Sutter said this at the time, chuckled and said, wow, we should hold on to that for the first round. Maybe we need to hold on to it through the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> here's Earlier this spring, here's what Daryl Sutter said. I sure as hell don't want to play Colorado in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> well, it was a waste of eight days for the Edmonton Oilers if you look at it that way. Yeah, a lot of positives. But, yes, it was uh, evidently 
in reality, a waste of eight days. They didn't win a game. Yeah, they would, they would like to have gone yes. a little bit yes. further than this. Yeah. Uh, Sandwich says, I clearly need a true number one defenseman that can take the game over, underscores how important coffee was back in the day. Now, so, a lot of people were getting on Darnell Nurse. Yeah, there was some Nurse slander here. And he had a torn <laughs> hip. He played 15 games on a torn hip flexor, yeah. and there's still Darnell Nurse slander. Like, is it... This, this is one of the things in modern-day sport that I think you have to be careful of. Is it his contract that people don't like and thus they don't like the player? Because the player, I guarantee you, Edmonton Oilers fans who don't think Nurse is a number one defenseman, if you offered up Darnell Nurse to every other GM even at that deal, you would have a hell of a lot of takers. And if you said, listen, one million less because that's the Alberta tax, or at least yeah. the northern Alberta tax these days, and all of them would say yes. This is a really good defenseman, and I can't believe the amount of slander that he takes in northern Alberta. There was a, a lot of slander. I think part of it has to be it's just such a fresh loss that people w- Want will... Want someone to blame. Yeah, and after a few weeks or months or whatever, people will say, okay, you know, our number one defenseman had a torn hip flexor, and there's only so much you can do when playing in the playoffs. Injuries happen. Right. Everybody, every team deals with injuries, but you have to factor that in and, when you look and, the way you played. And you can get them more help, right? Like, yeah. Cal McCarr, you and I had a conversation amazingly. Here are the two conversations that we had about and around Cal McCarr this year. Earlier in the year, you and I had a conversation about best-on-best best hockey, and we were naming the Team Canada defenseman. And Kale McCarr escaped both of our memories, and after I said Kale McCarr, and you're like, ah, oh, how the bleep did we leave out Kale McCarr? It was just one of those things where it slipped our mind, and then going into this series, we had another conversation, and we said, draft the top players in this series. Both you and I said McDavid, and then we agreed that Kale McCarr was second. Like, I might be willing to say that I learned from this series, and maybe I saw him, like, more in this series than I had in any other juncture in my life. But he might be the greatest defenseman since Bobby Orr. Like, what I saw out there was a combination of Paul Coffey and Ray Bork. (laughs) Look at the names. Listen to those three names. Okay, but think (laughs) of what I just said, too. Like... Paul Coffey was better defensively than most people gave him credit for. Others would say Ray Bork was the better defender of that era, but they were both ridiculously good. And this guy might be the combination of the both. The the speeding, the the speeding, the skating and the speed of Paul Coffey Mm -hmm. and the acumen and the defensive awareness of Ray Bork, he, he is, he literally... He might be the best defenseman since Bobby Orr. Yeah, you you can't watch the game and like I, in my time of watching hockey, I have not seen a defenseman that pops off the page or the screen like that. No, like I just haven't. It's not even close. I don't think. Um, Nemo writes in and says uh, Mike Smith makes great saves and lets in weak goals. Yeah, that might be the most accurate summary of the way Mike Smith plays that I have seen. Yeah, that's and I, I asked. Kevin Bieksa, and I, I mixed questions, and it was unfair to Bieksa, and I shouldn't have done that. But I asked him, like, is it hard to play with a, a goalie who plays the puck as much as Mike Smith? Mm-hmm. And he said, that's a luxury. And then the follow, I, I added it into the same question, and I should have made it a follow. 
And that was, is it hard to play with a goalie who makes stunning saves and then lets the weak one in? Yeah. But I think, like, I think it's pretty clear what Edmonton does with Mike Smith still under contract for one more year after this year and Miko Koskinen, a free agent. They need an upgrade in goaltender. And I'll, I'll say this to Spectre when he joins us next. Listen, Edmonton wasn't a destination for free agents. Hasn't been a destination for free agents basically since Chris Pronger left. Mm-hmm. You have to find another way to sell Edmonton and Northern Alberta. And I think they have. I think when, when you look at what Hyman did this year, when you look at what Kane did this year, when you look at what CeCe did this year, when you look at Barry did this year, like there are a bunch of players who help themselves on their next contract immensely yeah. by playing with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And you add the impression I think Jay Woodcroft made, you maybe get a goalie there to add with Mike Smith, and you're not that far off. The key is the goalie. The key has always been the goalie. The key was the goalie. The key for Dave, for Dave Tippett was the goalie. I, I just wonder how many people think Stuart Skinner actually is that guy. And if he was, maybe you would have given him an opportunity in the postseason, or maybe you just are waiting until next year. Wouldn't the former head coach of Bakersfield know if Stuart Skinner was yeah, the guy? I guess we'll find out. Or you think he would have played him already? Maybe you've already yeah. found out. Um, Great point about uh, the contracts because Evander Kane two point one million like he's he's not getting two point one million anymore. No, like can you afford Evander? That's 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 the huge question, and we'll broach yeah. it with Spectre. But Spectre. They, they were speaking today. Um, we'll ask Spectre what they said today. The players yep. in Alberta were speaking today. We'll talk to him about what's next, and I guarantee you the goalie will come up, and I guarantee you Evander Kane will come up, and whether or not they'll be able to retain Kane, and if Kane understood what could happen yeah. in northern Alberta if he sticks around. But we, uh, we gave away another one of these wonderful uh, hoodies last night. Do we, we got a winner, We right? have a winner. Yeah, we have a... We have a winner. T.C. Jujury at Raps Abs. Avalanche wins 6-5. Hashtag TF Predict. Did everything right. Gave us the hashtag. Gave us the correct score. Gave us the winner of the game. The only thing he didn't do was say it was an overtime. But you know what? That is okay. That's not bad. So, T.C., wins an I'm a Friend hoodie for his correct prediction in Game 4. By the way, if you've won one of these, can you tweet it out and send it to us? I'd love to see people modeling yeah. this lovely I'm a Friend hoodie. It, it is lovely. And, and so much has, has this TF predict gone so well that we're hearing the bigwigs around here. Oh, it's trending in oh, all of Canada. Replies, yeah. And we're, <laughs> we're going to uh, make a few more of these Let's and get go. a few more of them sent out. And maybe we'll think of other ways to handle Well, we out need to because I stole yours. I'm a friend. You just gave me one and I, didn't I even gave, say one yeah. to yourself. And well, I, like we said before, tip, yeah, does it make sense yeah. for me to wear I'm a friend? Right. Uh, so we'll give away as many as we possibly can. <laughs> uh, again, Mark Spector coming up on this very show in less than, like, seven minutes. Can't wait. Uh, okay, let's move on. Can't now. wait. The Oilers, not winners last night, unfortunately, but the Blue Jays opened up a three-game series with the MLB-worst Kansas City Royals last night, and the pitchers held the Royals to just two hits. Yet it was the bats that took center stage. Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Santiago Espinal all hit home runs. So, Tim, the bats are officially back, are oh. they not? Okay. 162 games, there are ups and downs. Right? 
How many times have I had to say there? This is an up. There will be another down. Deep breath, ups and downs. But yes, yes, since May 24th, since the May 2-4, runs per game, 7.08. That's first in the major leagues. Home runs, 25. That's first in the major leagues. On base percentage, 384. That's first in the, not in the AL, in the major leagues. OPS, 943. That is first in the major leagues. Now, the next step is how to avoid these vicious ups and downs that we have already seen from the Toronto Blue Jays to start the season. Because, as I have said a number of times before, the difference between good and great is consistency. So how do the young Jays, who we all know have a bleep load of talent, make sure that when the downs hit, they're not as bad as we've already seen this year? That, to me, will be when you see this team take that next step. Don't you feel like this is pretty much exactly how the season was supposed to go to this point? Like, they were okay at the beginning. I remember you saying during that first little stretch, you know, you gave a record and they were very close to that record. And now they're playing teams that they should beat. And it seems like they're starting to do just that. The two of three against the Twins, like, I would probably say if someone said to me they should be two games better in the win column, I wouldn't argue with that. Three games better in the win column, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, but what I don't like to see are the, the sweeping ups and downs because when you get to a playoff series, you need to try and find a way to make an impact even if you aren't on one of those ups. And for me and these young Jays, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. And let me just shout out Matt Gage. I love seeing a 29-year-old who awesome. spent a ton of time in the minors oh, go out there in a ninth inning with his family on hand, 200 games in the minors, uh, indie ball, pitching in Mexico, and then he gets the final out via a strikeout with his family in the audience. For awesome me, stuff. there's nothing better than that in sports. That's absolutely awesome. Congratulations. Uh, by the you. way, a breaking story today. Joe Madden fired by the Angels, who got ruined by the Jays, That's apparently. The Jays yeah, yeah, well, uh, they've it. lost 12 straight games, and last night... I, I, I saw this back and forth with Joe Madden and a reporter, and I thought, wow, that's a little different. And then I saw this, and you have to, like, listen, like, that was like the, fr- the start of the season was the first bit of success that we've seen the Angels with two absolutely generational mm-hmm. talents on the team have, and then they lose 12 straight. Here, here's Joe Madden with the reporter last night, and tell me if Joe knew something last night or if this is just – Something that happens when you lose 12 straight. Are you saying we're not competing? I'm not saying that. I'm curious what you think. So. Well, I mean, uh, then you must be thinking that if you ask the question. Well, I'm not thinking that. You guys have lost ball in the I think it's a I am. I'm asking you the question back because I, I obviously think we're playing uh, hard. We're not uh, winning games right now, but I'm not going to denigrate the, the effort by the guys. Um, I'm asking if you're seeing that because I'm not. I'm not coming after you. Just ask your question. No, he's, he's just he's being okay. <laughs> no, he's being okay. What, what, what do you make of that? Because I, I think that's just that was just frustration boiling over of losing 12 straight with a team that you shouldn't be losing 12 straight with. I think he, just I think he started salty. Yeah. Yeah, he was. You have to talk to Otani and Trout before you make, like, 
You're shocked that Joe Madden just got fired, are you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so This is I. a guy that's, like, widely considered one of the, what, top five managers So there must have been something else going on. It wasn't just a 12. And I know sometimes when you see the other. Joe Girardi just got fired, too. Yeah, so big names. Sometimes when you see the big name get fired and you're the owner or the GM of another team, you're like, oh, there's my chance. But that there has to be more to this story. I, I don't know if we'll hear it because I think all the people involved are pretty classy. Mm-hmm. But... Pretty shocking that Joe Madden... Just he was always out. an interesting personality, especially his time with the Rays, right? Like yeah, quirky stuff, and, and maybe that doesn't jive with, with some guys nowadays. Who knows? I'm speculating there. Uh, speaking of speculating, there is some uh, big news from the golf world. Dustin Johnson no need has to speculate anymore. Ofi- officially resigned from the PGA Tour to join the Live Golf Invitational Series, which is kicking off this week in London. The two-time major winner will reportedly receive... $125 million just to join. Is the Live Tour a threat to the PGA Tour? Tim? Tiger Woods' on-course earnings are $121 million. Mm-hmm. And he just got offered, reportedly, $125 million. So the greatest career in the history of golf has just been given to DJ mm-hmm. just to join this tour. Wu-Tang once taught me, cash rules everything around me. Cream get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Dagan Pasquale is back behind the camera. He's jacked up because he knows this too. The Live Tour is tapped into this enormous market where human beings will do almost anything for, wait for it, money. And if you make it something they already do and just offer them more money to do it, well then, let me tell you, it doesn't really matter what morals or ethics you tie to it. Dirty money and sports, say it ain't so. Like, what do we. FIFA has trafficked in dirty money for years. The Olympics oftentimes have to push dirty money. And it's kind of funny to me when the outside world calls people out on it and when they don't. Like, this is the year of sport washing, kids. Do I think Canada should have played Iran? No. But I thought that when I learned that they didn't allow women to attend soccer games in Iran. But they've played in World Cup since. Iran has, and they will play in one in Qatar where stadiums were built on what some called slave labor. LeBron James just became a billionaire. A lot of people ripping him because a lot of that money came from China. He used that money from China to build a school and a hospital in his hometown. Now, do I think Phil Mickelson will be building schools and hospitals? Hell to the nah. But I think it's just such a fine line. If we stopped the show to discuss things like this, we would stop the show Every day. And if you're just finding out right now that this world is messed up, you, my friend, have lived a pretty good life. Do we try and make it better? Of course we do. But let's not live with convenient blinders on all the time. Very well said. I think, I think they're a threat. <laughs> I, think, I think golf is a threat. I have a breaking news tweet okay. that I want to get to, and it's back to the Toronto Blue Jays. Arash tweeting out that Danny Jansen has a fracture in his left oh hand after goodness. being hit by a pitch last night. Fracture showed on the finger, fifth metacarpal. Timmy knows a thing or two about uh, finger injuries. He is out. Zach Collins is being recalled. Okay, is, uh, what, what a tough break for Danny Jansen, who's already had a tough break this year and seemingly was off to literally. the best start in his major league career before you get to Gabby Moreno. Yes. Because I know that what your next question was is, where's Gabby Moreno? Yeah. Th- that's a natural follow-up. Although the Jays' catchers have been We've had some sensational. Depth. They've had, they got some depth. All right, listen. We're going to take a break. We'll get more on Danny Jansen. 
Coming up a little later on in the show, James Sharman on the latest surrounding Canada's soccer pay dispute, or Canada soccer's pay dispute. Marie-Philippe Poulain on her new role with the Montreal Canadiens. Could you tell that I was about to burp, Jesse? <laughs> I choked it back and I powered it's on. Impressive move. It's gone. Dave Randor from the break. do that during the break? Ron McClay. Listen, what you talk that? for two hours a day. You learn things that you need to do. And you may have seen my face as I did it because it was a little bit of a... What do you do if you have to sneeze? Let me choke this one off. Ron McClay. At, speaking of Oilers and Avs, Mark Spector joins us next to discuss the run and a fascinating offseason in Edmonton. Tim and friends on a ruby Tuesday. This guy's a specimen. And I think when you start getting closer, maybe the anticipation gets a little bit more. So hopefully there's no more setbacks and we get to see him at some point. But it's definitely not tonight. There's massive implications uh, and consequences around canceling matches. If Canada don't play Thursday, they will for certain be out of the Nations League for this. You gotta be in world class shape. You just have to be. He's not that lean kind of guy, but but I think he can be in better shape. He definitely is going to have to address that. Tim and Friends continues in obviously a tough way for the Oilers to go out last night, but a solid run and plenty to build on in Edmonton. An offseason full of intrigue and some questions. Anthony Caminiti explains. The two burning questions that are staring Ken Holland in the face heading into Edmonton's offseason. What changes will he make between the pipes? And what should he do with Evander Kane? He certainly has some tough decisions as many general managers do. The Oilers have roughly $7 million in cap space. Darnell Nurse's eight-year, $74 million deal kicks in, accounting for a $9.2 million cap hit. Kyler Yamamoto, Ryan McLeod, and Yessa Pugliarvi become restricted free agents, while Miko Koskinen and Brett Kulak are UFAs. He just keeps producing. After a stellar 13-goal playoff performance, Kane is due to cash in on the free agent market. A terrific tenure with the Edmonton Oilers. He's found a nice chemistry with Connor McDavid. Kane was able to put his off-ice issues aside in Edmonton, but he may have to take a pay cut if he wants to continue playing alongside the best player on the planet. If Kane walks, replacing his production at a reasonable price will not be an easy task, limiting what they hope to achieve to improve the rest of the team. Times brilliant during Edmonton's run to the conference final, 40-year-old Mike Smith has one year left at $2.2 million. Koskinen's contract is now off the books, and Holland has options on the open market, including Marc-Andre Fleury, Darcy Kemper, and Jack Campbell. What it might come down to for Holland? Does he prioritize a new deal for Kane or add a number one goaltender? If it comes down to that, it is going to be tough to decide. Uh, let's bring in Mark Spector, who is at the, uh, the morning availability in northern Alberta in Edmonton, and he joins us now. Speck, welcome back to the show. Thanks for doing all this over the last little while. I hope you know we appreciate it. I know you do, Tim. You and me, we're tight. I'm waiting for that cold beer and the steak, though. i got to admit it. I do owe you a cold beer. And I owe Gino a cold beer and a steak, too. He's done uh, yeoman's work for us here. I know it's still fresh for, for Oilers fans. And I said off the top, and I say this all the time, in every sport, 
either you win or you're building towards it. And you've got to figure out when the season is done if you're building in the right way. What's your take on this team and what they've built? Well, uh, two things. They've proven to us that they can win their division, but it's probably the worst division in the National Hockey League. Uh, they did beat the Calgary Flames in five games, which was, I think, everyone in hockey would have said. It's a pretty good hockey team. I don't care what division they're in. But then they went up against Colorado and got washed out in four games. So what they've proven is that they're, they've, they're on their way. They've got a bunch of pieces. But it also shows you, you know, just as you learn how close you are, Tim, yeah. you also learn how far you are away. And, you know, now we head into the summer. We, we just spent some time dreaming about how close you could be now we start to focus on how far away you are and here's where you get into the issues okay so immediately it becomes evander kane and and goaltending because that's the uh, that's the scuttlebutt right now i'm sure you're hearing the exact same thing how quickly do we get into those conversations and what do you think it looks like well, I, right away. I mean, there are they're, they're literally two things here. So Evander Kane scored 22 goals in half a season. Uh, he's a legit 35-40 goal player. He's still to this at this moment leads the National Hockey League with 13 playoff goals. Uh, really, really good player. So he's a UFA. We know that he comes with baggage. We know that there's some stuff out there that makes you reconsider. But Leon Dreisaitl sat on the podium today and talked about this is the kind of player you need if you, to win with. This is a guy that's been great for us off the ice. Zach Hyman, who's as nice a guy as anyone has ever met in the game and trustworthy, and you know he does it the right way on and off the ice, said that it was a massive transformation of their top six when they got this guy. And he speaks very highly of Evander Kane. Now... They did so in San Jose once as well, and they're currently in an arbitrated dispute about trying to void his contract. So I get it, right? This isn't clear as mud as what it is. Right. But he's a really good hockey player. And here's the last thing on him before we get to the goaltending. I don't need to tell the folks in Toronto. There's lots of soft skill around the league. There's some on this team. There's some on that team. There's some on every team. And yep. you need guys that get you through 82 games. They've got to get you to the playoffs. But we see what wins in May and June, right? Guys like Evander Kane, forget about what's going on off the ice. That's the kind of player that plays a hard skill game. That's the guy that you win with. Eminem's got one. They've got to try to figure out how to afford him. Yeah, that's the multi-million dollar question is... What did that 22-goal half-season afford Evander Kane moving? He's obviously made some money by, uh, by ponying up beside Drysaddle and McDavid. Would it be smart to take maybe a little bit less, get a few more of those, or is this the kind of guy that needs the money and will try and max out here? Yeah, second option, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what I mean, is that? It's a matter of public. Re- <laughs> it's a matter of public record. His bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, he's also in currently in dispute over twenty-two point nine million dollars remaining on that voided contract by the San Jose Sharks. So this is. I'm here to tell you, this isn't a guy taking less. He's thirty-one. This is his last, probably big shot at a, a hefty UFA contract. And listen. What's he going to do next year, Tim? Go and have a better season? Right. Right? I mean, he's had just had the season of his life here. He's not going to get a better season off of which to negotiate. So this is it for him. He's 31. Like every contract, the longer it is, the less money he'll get. But I think you're looking at a guy who someone's going to offer this guy a four-year deal, and it's going to start 
it, it should start with a seven, in my opinion, because mm. uh, that's what 45 goal guys get, maybe yeah. more. But the Oilers have to figure out how do we be the team that gets the player for seven. They're not going to get the player for five, Tim, just because he likes going to West Edmonton Mall on the weekend. That will not happen here. <laughs> but, but, but playing alongside those two guys uh, and the ability to put up, because let's be honest here, 45 goals with that kind of sandpaper, if he did that every year, he wouldn't be in this spot where he was looking for another contract. People would find ways to make it happen every time if that consistency was there. Mm, sure. I mean, I guess so. You can disagree. You don't have to you know insure me. <laughs> I'm disagreeing you. I, I'm disagreeing with you here. The, yeah. He's been this player his whole life, right? He didn't just get good when he came here. So all the stuff that's happened in the background, all the drama, that's been an Evander Kane situation that he's and he alone will have to deal with. But, you know, he's, he's never going to be in a better position to negotiate. The next contract he signs is going to take him until he's like 35 years old, whoever right. he signs it with, Tim. I agree So this is the, yeah. the moment for this guy. He's not going to piecemeal up in a one-year deal and a two-year deal. If I'm his agent, I'm signing one big last deal and trying to make as much as I can well I can. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I just, I, the, the wonder is $7 million for that player long term. I, I, what I'm saying is... I don't know if you do it, but <laughs> well, that's why I don't that get That is the million dollar, seven yeah, million dollar that's, question. That's why I don't get paid that kind of money to do that. <laughs> I, listen, I know you as one thing, Mr. Mark Spector, and that is a fierce protector of the North from the big, bad Toronto media folk. But we both know <laughs> that Northern Alberta hasn't exactly been a destination for free agents in the past. I said in the opening block, basically since Chris Pronger left, it has been tough or you've had to pay a Northern Alberta tax. But given the success yep. of Kane, given the success of CeCe and Barry and Hyman, and, ha- and having those two guys, do you think that there is a better ability, and, and given what you've seen under Jay Woodcroft, is there a better ability to attract free agents right now than maybe in the last decade? Oh, for sure. Yeah. This, this is what I've always said here, and I'm standing by it, okay? When... The Oilers aren't very good, and a guy wants to come here as a free agent. His wife says, I'm not going there as a free agent because you go on road trips, and me and the kids have to stay here in Edmonton all winter long. And the guy has no response. Today, a guy can say to his wife, honey, I'm near the end of my career, and I want to win a Stanley Cup. And if I go to Edmonton, I think we can. And that changes the whole shooting match here, right? It's not coming to Edmonton to miss the playoffs. It's coming to Edmonton to play with the greatest player in the, on the face of the earth. So mm-hmm. that part has changed him. So here's what you're going to get. You got Evander Kane on a six-month contract. Everybody hit it out of the park. He was awesome. Either A, you're going to keep this player here and, and figure out a way to make it work, or B, Ken Holland is going to go into business finding next year's Evander Kane and the year after's Evander Kane. And you're going to run guys through here on one-year deals who are just trying to sign prove-me contracts, guys who are shooters, right? I'm thinking of players like, a, you know, I'm throwing a name out, a Kyle Palmieri, right? right, who can really fire it off the wing. Anyone who wants to hit July 1st the way Evander Kane is about to hit July 1st, right. Uh, I'll tell you what, a one-year deal playing next to Leon or Connor McDavid, it's not a bad place to make your bones up here now. Uh, before I let you go, Speck, and we're already over time, is it just a, a matter of time for Jay Woodcroft to sign a new deal as the, the head coach of this team? 
Yep, it's a matter of time. He will sign this summer. I predict like a three-year deal. The only question is he may have just passed by the entry-level price point (laughs) uh, with the job he did here. He might get a little more. And the last thing I want to say, we we didn't get to Mike Smith, but I asked Mike Smith on the podium here, look, we've seen a lot of 40-year-old goalies, but we haven't seen a lot of 40-year-old number one goalies. I said, are you able to be a number one goalie in this league anymore? And he said, spec? I don't know. So that's where Mike Smith's at. I'm not sure what happens with him in the next year. I'm glad you added that. We are out of time. We never have enough time. I appreciate you, my dude. We'll talk soon. <laughs> all right. There is Inspector Deck in Edmonton with all of the latest on all of the particulars, and I probably spent a little too much time on Evander Kane and didn't get to the Mike that's, Smith. I mean, that's a great point. Great at point. The end. Yeah. All right. After the break, uh, we're fitting in the GOAT. That's right. The GOAT. Marie-Philippe Poulain is going to join us after she joined the Montreal Canadiens as a player development consultant. We'll discuss the new role as she joins us live next right here on Tim and Friends. She is the best player in women's hockey today. She's a beautiful player to watch. Do we just offer Mary Philippe Poulain up as evidence that there is blood? <laughs> Another overtime winner. She's done it at Worlds. She's done it at the Olympics. So unheard of, but she is. She's Captain Clutch, and she pulls through in those big moments. Here's Marie Philippe Poulain. She shoots. This game is over. A golden goal from Marie Philippe Poulain. Captain Canada has done it. She has three gold medals. She's got three golden goals. The numbers are ridiculous. How the hell does Mary Philippe Poulain do what she does? I laughed too. The last time I had our next guest on the show, I admitted that she's one of my favorite players on planet Earth because she embodies the three things that I value most from athletes. The difference between good and great is consistency. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and special players make special plays on special days. All three of them. I guess the Canadians feel the same way because they just hired her as a player development consultant, friend of the show. Mary-Philippe Poulain joins me now from Montreal. Uh, this is all in addition to you still playing, right, Mary? Like, you're not done playing. I am not done playing. No. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the last time you were on, I think you were in vacation in Mexico after winning a gold medal. And I asked you about the Habs sniffing around and a future working in the NHL. And you may have told me after the career was done. Not that I'm hurt or anything. But why, why was now the right time for you to sign on with the Habs? Well, to be honest, when we when we spoke, obviously the opportunity just came. Uh, I was kind of fresh from the Olympics, uh, on the high, pretty high, to be honest, from all the the emotion. But after a couple months sitting down, having meetings with uh, Jeff, Kent, John, um, I think it was the the right opportunity for me to to take and being able to be in that role, uh, not only to to share my my experience, but also to learn from uh, this organization. That's something that's uh, I'm looking forward to, but very exciting to be part of uh, the Canadian Montreal. Excited, nervous, both? Uh, yes, both. Uh, obviously, today uh, kind of shook me a little bit. Very exciting uh, to be uh, to be doing this. And obviously, it's going to be uh, managing my own schedule and being uh, doing all of this together, but very exciting. Do you, do you know right now how you'll be working with the team, or will that evolve? 
obviously it's going to evolve. I think I'm going to sit down with uh, Adam and Jeff and John and uh, and Kent. But uh, obviously having uh, some video session, having different uh, opportunity to, to work with the new prospect, um, obviously on Zooms and having different programs for them to, to work on different skills. But obviously it's going to be a, um, a work in uh, pro- progress uh, and really learning from a lot of people here. Okay, so, so you've scored in every gold medal game you've ever played in at the Olympics for them. You're the only player ever, male or female, to do that. And not just scored, but scored the goal. Like three gold medals, you have scored the game winner for every single one of them. This is the easy question. How do you teach that to others, Mary Philippe Poulet? <laughs> 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 Great question. Uh, I think <laughs> I think when you surround yourself with the, with the right people, I think it helps a lot. But to be honest, there's no uh, magic recipe here coming in. I think it's going to be being myself and really uh, learning from my experience, my passion towards hockey, and obviously learning different kin- ki- skills. And uh, obviously they're going to learn from me, but I'm going to learn a lot from them as well. So I think it's going to be mutual and very looking forward to, to connect with those players. Did the little hockey star who grew up 45 minutes out of Quebec City ever think that she could work for the Habs? And what, what do you think this can do for other little kids in Beauceville and beyond? Uh, not quite, uh, to be honest. I think today's pretty surreal, uh, pretty exciting. Uh, never thought uh, in my wild dream I would be here wearing the Canadian logo on my chest. And uh, it is very special and hopefully opens a lot of doors for the, those young kids. I think to to keep dreaming, to keep working hard, I think it, it's it's amazing. And I'm not the only woman working in the NHL. There's a lot that paved the way for, for a lot of us. And it's only the start of uh, many great things around. And uh, it's the knowledge of hockey. And I hope that uh, that's going to keep growing. You know, a lot of people these days are talking about just opening doors. And sometimes I feel people pushing back on those doors. But can you speak to how important it was to see others walk through that door before you got this opportunity and, and how much confidence that gave you that you could come in and do the job that you're about to do? I think it's so important. I think uh, women have paved the way for a lot of us. Like even as a hockey player, like all the girls that won the the gold in 2002 are the ladies that have paved the way for a lot of us that just won in 2022. And I think uh, it says a lot when people pave the way for for us when they're there to to help us and hand a hand to to just help us. I think it's huge. And it does it. A lot of the the women paved the way for for us in the NHL. And I hope it's just going to keep growing. It's just a start of something great. All right, listen, uh, we've had a few conversations about the PWHPA, and I can't let you go without bringing it up. It sounds like we're getting closer. We just showed that Billie Jean King involved, owner of the Dodgers, getting involved. Anything you want to share with the homeboys and girls here on Tim and Friends? Uh, to be honest, it's still a lot of work in progress, but like you mentioned, uh, having the right people behind us, uh, a lot of those people work behind closed doors so many hours. We we trust them, we believe in them, what they're going to come up with, but like you mentioned, having the Billie Jean King and having the Dodger owner with us, I think it's huge. It's just going to be in the right pro- in the right way, but every great thing takes a lot of time, and uh, we truly believe that, and that's why we, we're still here working in, in, towards that, but not only for us, for the next uh, generation, but having the viable and sustainable league is something that we strive for. Awesome. Uh, One more. Last time you were on, we were talking about the (laughs) RV that you just got and the open road and how my son was already planning for our road trip post-pandemic. Where did you go that I need to put on my list of things to do if we're going out on the open road with one of those big rigs that you got? 
Well, I think you should go up uh, Charlevoix up north in Quebec. I think that's amazing. But you got to send me that, that RV uh, trip that your son planned. <laughs> we, we were going the other way, but we will, we will now look into <laughs> northern Quebec. Uh, and je dois pratiquer mon français si nous allons à Charlevoix. <laughs> Is Charlevoix? Where was it? That is it. Uh, very good. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Charlevoix. <laughs> Charlevoix. Uh, thank you. We always love catching up with you. Uh, it's always fun. It's always a treat for me. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. And if you ever want to come back, uh, even drum up support for that league that might be down the road, you know the door is always open here. Thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate it. Uh, merci et félicitations. There is Mary-Philippe Poulain, one of the newest members of the Montreal Canadiens. There is the GOAT, I should say. That was very cool. I think I've been to Charlevoix, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. No, you should go there. That's, it's very, very nice. Like how, how far north are we talking, though? I, I don't remember. We'll I take the break. There. I'll I don't, figure it I don't out. remember, but it was awesome. We'll, we'll take the break. It's a great recommendation. We will come back, and I will look it all up. I can't well, it's not out. that far. What is it, like seven hours? Yeah, no, it looks like, yeah. It's near the Lauren. All right. <laughs> when we come back, James Sharman will join us. It's not that far. No, you gotta go. Ah. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and friends of the show. And it's just east of Quebec City in the Laurentians. Yeah. No, I'll go with that. You, yes. Yeah. You, you have to I mean, our initial trip with the sun was going to go the other way, west, into the United States. So that might be a that's little bit out of That's probably really way. cool, too. Yeah. I think you should do both. I, I, well, I mean, that's where you went. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, so I guess... Missouri? I, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it, they're Midwest? both kind of... Midwest? They both have... Like, the mountains aren't huge... Not huge mountains. Rolling hills. But yes. Rolling hills. That's a that's perfect. They're not Rockies. They're that's rolling exactly hills. Right. That was the Sheepdogs. I'm Tim McCallum. <laughs> that's Jesse Rubinoff. We just talked to Mary Philippe Poulain, who is the goat. She suggested a spot that we might go. And you know what? After some Wikipedia stuff, I think we're down. He's Back gone. here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360, because you could do that on the way to out east. Add Nova Scotia, maybe a little PEI on the yeah. mix, and you got yourself a road. That's a fun trip. Still to come, James Sharman on Canada Soccer, Ron McLean on all things NHL, and Dave Randorf ahead of Game 4 in Tampa. Did the Lightning turn the series? Mm. We do know that the series is over for the Edmonton Oilers. They cleaned out their walkers today, the day after getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Avs. Plenty of off-season questions looming for the Oilers as the players faced the media a short time ago. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, feeling optimistic about the team's future. You know, obviously, it's still really fresh, and uh, not a lot of time has gone by, but, uh, you know, obviously, it was, uh, it was a, a step in the right direction. I uh, definitely firmly believe that. Um, you know, but that's all it was. We have to make sure that we come in next season and, and learn from what we've accomplished this season, but come back next season and, and be hungrier for more, right? We want to take that next step. We want to get to the finals. Eventually, we want to, we want to win a Stanley Cup. So um, I think we did take a step, but there's, there's definitely more. 
The Oilers' biggest UFA this offseason, Evander Kane, who played a huge role in the Oilers' run, scoring 13 goals in 15 games in the postseason. Earlier today, Kane addressed his future with the club. I've been very happy with uh, my time here. The fans have been phenomenal. The people in the city have been phenomenal. Um, this has got to be the best organization I've played for. Um, so uh, I have no complaints and, um, you know, just like everybody else, I'm sure, is looking forward to seeing what happens. I think we'd love to have him back. I can't say more than that. Um, it's not, not in my hands from, from now on, obviously. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's helped our team big time. All right, another big question for the Oilers is what they do in net. 40-year-old Mike Smith under contract. One more year with the Oilers. Here is Smith on the season and his future. It's an emotional and physical and mental uh, grind, it is. And um, I was just telling some of the guys, like, the letdown today is real life. Playing through injuries for, you know, the majority of the season is, is not, not easy. And um, I don't know where I'm going to be four months from now, but um, got a lot of, obviously stuff to deal with got a one and a one a just saying game one it's whether or not they have money for Good one, and one yeah. a. game four from tampa tonight lightning hosting the rangers after a comeback win in game three down two nothing in the series in the game the lightning can now even the series tonight make it a best of three going back to madison square god Braden point has been out since getting hurt against the leafs in the first round Lightning head coach John Cooper updated the outlook on a return earlier today. He makes progress every day. So, uh, and I think when you start getting closer, maybe the anticipation gets a little bit more. So hopefully there's no more setbacks and we get to see him at some point. But it's definitely not tonight. Uh, just quickly on that, is are you more optimistic he might get back in this series with the progress he's been making? Or is well, you're always, I mean, if it goes seven, then optimism stays up. If if it, uh, you know, is a five-game series, it's a little dicier. So it's, it's just time. It's just going to take time. Dave Randorf will join us in some time from the arena in Tampa. We'll call it about 15 minutes. Meantime, between time, Jay's back in action tonight after a tidy 8-0 win in Kansas City last night. Alec Manoa and his sparkling numbers on the mound for the Jays. I don't know if you sprinkled on him for AL Cy Young Award, Jay. Jesse, but maybe. Jesse, but maybe. Uh, Royals counter with Brad Keller, one and six, four fifteen ERA. Four fifteen ERA does not represent one and six, but you got it. Blue Jays Central comes your way seven thirty Eastern, four thirty Pacific, followed by the game on Sportsnet One. The bats have been booming as of late. They have gone ten and two in their last twelve. Here's the lineup tonight: Springer will DH and lead off. Usual two through four. Alejandro Kirk will bat fifth and catch following an injury. To Danny Jansen, that will tell you about Espinal Chapman. Ramel Tapia will play left. Bradley Zimmer in center for Springer. And Lourdes Guriel Jr. gets the day off. Now, Danny Jansen, tough, tough news. Jay's catcher suffered a small fracture on his left hand after he was hit by a pitch last night and will head to the IL. As a result, Jay's called backup Zach Collins, or they've called Zach Collins backup. He will back up. That's Alejandro Kirk. Here's general manager Ross Atkins with more. <laughs> After the game, 
um, you know, still felt strong, still felt stable, but from the further assessment, there is actually a fracture in there. So from the CT scan, it's stable in nature. Um, you know, feel confident that he will be able to get back into game action relatively soon, but he's going to be down for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, after 10 days, we'll know a lot more. So, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate where we are today, but do feel good about his return being relatively soon. Well, that's a bit of good news. A little silver lining. The Angels have fired Joe Madden in the midst of a 12-game losing streak, going from 10 games over 500 to two games under in a two-week span. Madden was in just his third season with the Angels and finished fourth in the AL East in each of the past two years. He was in the last year of a deal that paid him between 12 and 15 million per season. All right, we're just over 48 hours away from Canada's scheduled Nations League matchup with Curacao in Vancouver without much clarity as to whether or not the Canadian men's senior national soccer team will play in that match or continue their protest over payment and allocation of funds by the CSA. As we pointed out yesterday, with Craig Forrest, a boycott of the game could lead to severe consequences like a suspension from the Nations League and Gold Cup. Good news, team trained last night and reportedly will train again today while negotiations and talks between the players and the CSA continues. Here to help me sort through all that is one of the hosts of the Footy Prime podcast and our good friend James Sharman who joins me now. What's up, Sharms? How are you, bud? Uh, great, mates. You know, a little bit of a... Soccer scandal, controversy. Makes you feel right at back home. On, eh? <laughs> Makes you feel right at all. <laughs> I'll say the same thing I said to Forrest yesterday to start. Why can't we have nice things, James? I know it oh. is true. You just when you think, just yeah. when you think that that corner's been turned, this happens. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. Let's be honest here. It's a bit embarrassing too, and certainly the uh, the soccer haters out there, and there's many of them still in this country, are really enjoying this. But it, it's a real shame. I think that there is a real movement of general sports fans who may not have watched the footy show uh, way back in the day on the score uh, when when you burst no. onto the scene in Canada who now have adopted this team and they're wondering what the bleep is going on and how this is happening. Um, besides some clarity from today, James, do you think that we're closer to the point where all this evaporates like we've seen in other countries happen pretty fast? Yeah, well, obviously Thursday is the, the big moment, right? Will right. they take the field? Um, I, I can't imagine they don't. It would be a huge mistake for, for numerous reasons. You can negotiate contracts while playing. We saw the, the U.S. women's team do this for, what, six years yeah. and finally get their way. So you can do this. And what's important is that Canada Soccer do say that anything they agree on will be retroactive, right? So any deal they make will, will be retroactive to these games as well. So you can negotiate while playing at the same time. Um, yes, so I, I, are we close? You know, from what I'm hearing at the moment, not really. There isn't any great meaningful conversation uh, just yet. Still a lot of animosity in that room. But at the same time, they're not hunkering down in a hotel room and refusing to leave you know, uh, until it's, you know, f figured out. Right. Um, these guys still need to train and prepare for a match on Thursday and a match next week in Honduras as well, which doesn't make it easy. And uh, as far as we know at the moment, the players are fronting the negotiations themselves. They haven't brought in uh, a lawyer or an agent to help them. Um, 
that could change at any time. Maybe it has already, but as far as I know, it hasn't. Uh, so, you know, this is a slow process right now, and there's still two big sticking points, one of which, of course, is the, the split. How much will they get? 30%, 40%. Is the 40% net? Is it gross? No transparency there at all. Um, and, of course, the other one being pay equity with, with, with the women. Um, so some mm-hmm. big issues to resolve here, and I don't think they're much closer now than they were a day ago. It was shocking how strong the court of public opinion was in the players' favor, despite even canceling a game. Um, they want the players just to be paid. Is is that? How do I phrase this? Is this is this just a FIFA gag reflex that we have as yes. a viewing public? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, of course it, it is, Timmy. You know this. Yeah. I mean, you cover the game long enough. Yeah. The default setting for Canadian fans is let's hammer the governing body, right? Be it FIFA be it CONCACAF or be it Canada Soccer. And, and for many years, and even, you know, up until, you know, recently, that's been for good reason. Let, let's be honest here. On this situation, it's not that simple. Um, I understand why the fans say, well, just pay them what they're worth, but it's not that easy, right? You get $10 million approximately from FIFA for qualifying for a World Cup. About $2 million of that will go towards logistics on the ground, training camp, flights, travel, tickets, et cetera, et cetera, hotel, um, so you're fighting for you know a cut of about eight million dollars, and at what point do you say enough's enough? Right, thirty percent is what I understand from other nations is pretty fair, um, but it's fair enough if the players didn't want forty percent. Okay, we can discuss that, but is it net? Is it gross? There's a big world of difference there, right? And I right. think the players need to be transparent at some point with their demands here. Um, I, I found it interesting when the women came up with their statement. Uh, a day or so ago now, and they called out the men here saying, listen, you know, we demand pay equity. And I think legally at this point, in Ontario law in particular, pay equity is very much a thing. You have to pay the women the same as the men. It's almost non-negotiable. It's a breaking point. Now, I'm not sure where the men are at right now. With with that, I'm not going to pretend I know. I don't know. Um, But that cannot be a sticking point because it's black and white issue. It has to be 50-50. You can follow the U.S. model and the deal they just broke would be the same thing as that. We'll see that around the world in the coming months and years. So you go, wherever the men agree to, to get, the women will also get that, which, of course, makes yeah. the pot a little bit smaller. The, uh, the other part of the American deal that not a lot of people understand is the women get half of the commercial revenue, period. Like, that split is not just prize money. It's what's coming into the federation, and that split with the, with the men is 50-50, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's the way... You, Women's soccer is going globally right now as right. well. We're seeing the WSL, the Women's Champions League, doing so well. Big crowds, 99,000 for a, for a Barca Real Madrid last year. Yeah. Uh, great coverage on Sky Sports across Europe right now. It's growing, but it needs funds as well to grow. So the days of the men taking you know, the huge percentage, it's, it's done. Let's just accept that and, and move on. And, and a unified force, the men and the women teams together as unified force, yeah. have a lot of power, a lot yeah. of sway. Yeah. In, the, in the upper echelons of Canada soccer and FIFA. So it makes sense they get on the same page. Yeah, I think people are starting to realize that too, right? Like, I think the American men understood, wait a second, like, the women draw just as much as we do in our home country. Maybe we need yeah. to bring them in. Maybe there's more commercial um, possibilities with them in the fray. And I'll never forget when John Herbman moved over from the women to the men, he said, in order for the women to continue to grow, we need the men to be good, too. And to yeah. me, it was so interesting because we haven't heard a lot from John Herdman in all this. 
And I understand why. Like, he's in a very tough spot. But he knew back then that both are kind of intertwined here. And I wonder if all the everyone involved knows as much as John knows and as much as apparently the Americans knew. Well, exactly. And that's why I hope the men do have good advice coming their way and some leadership from somewhere there. Because, like you said, John Herbman, you know, is their leader, but he's going to be so careful right now. Yeah. He's employed by Canada Soccer. He's the boss of the players, of course. He's so respected right now. He's in such a tough spot. But he's yeah. got the players now in the field, right, training. He's got their ear in the room at the moment. I wonder what conversations are being had there right now because no one's a bigger supporter of women's soccer than John Herbman. And like you said, exactly that. That's why one of the reasons why he took this job was to help push the female program, the women's program forward right. as well. If, if I'm John Herbert, though, I'm very concerned right now. He, he spent four years building the, this team of brothers, right? We heard that, that name, that term used so often during qualifying where brothers were together. It wasn't always that way. When he took over, they weren't brothers. There were cliques and, and chasms in that room. So you do wonder, you know, whoever's negotiating this deal, um, probably the veteran players, that's generally how these things yeah. happen. Um, you know, as they push and push and push, at what point will other facets in that room say, wait a minute, we just want to play the game here? Is there a danger of, of that connection and that great resolve and that great team environment mm-hmm. being broken? I really hope not because that's what this team is. That's what they've built themselves into. Right. Um, so if you're John Herbman, you're, you're very concerned for a number of reasons. Obviously, you want to prepare for games, you're losing training days left, right, and center, but. If you break what that team, that magic that team has, which you see across the world in club football and international football all the time, then what do you have entering Qatar 2022? Uh, James, obviously Canada Soccer watching us as we discussed because they have released a statement as we spoke uh, on Twitter, 6.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Canada Soccer and the men's national team players who returned to training Monday confirmed that they look forward to facing Curacao in CONCACAF Nations League, uh, Canada Soccer and the men's national team players are excited to see their fans Thursday, 9 June, BC Place in Vancouver. So it looks like that game wow. is a Is go. that a joint statement? That's uh, a joint statement. That's progress, right? Uh, cross our fingers. Yeah. That's cross good news. Fingers. That's very good news. And I mean, like we said before, it'd be absolute madness not to play that game. Right. It'd be madness to, to you know boycott the Honduras game. That's when you start losing out on, on big opportunities, right. big tournaments, and you can't do that. Uh, baby steps. Hopefully we get this ironed out as soon as possible, and you and I could go back to talking about what's going to happen on the pitch against Curacao and in Honduras. Love my Curacao. So do you. <laughs> so I can't wait. I would love to visit Curacao. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Charmin. Thanks, Bill. Uh, time for a break. Uh, we keep running into these big stories of the wrong and right time. But then we make the rest of the show late. Someone's going to be pissed down the road. Will it be Ron McLean? Will it be Dave Randor? Both are going to join us in the next little while. The Avs could have a very long wait. Could this series go seven? Well, it's got to start with game four tonight in Tampa. We'll discuss it next. Off a scrum tralescent feed from Nikita Kucherov, and the series is now 2-1, heading into Game 4 tonight, which you can see on Sportsnet and CBC. Voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, friend of the show, Dave Randorf, joins us now. 
from Amelie Arena. The broadcast booth. Thanks for doing this, Dave. Appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Always good to be part of Tim and Friends. You no, know, I am a friend, so this is great. Love you it. are indeed a friend. I remember uh, when I first met you, it was Lower Deck in Halifax, and you were kind, <laughs> and you were gentle, and you were a big star, and I was the voice of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Dave Randolph meanders on over and says, hey, how you doing, kid? And hey. I said, class. That's a big boy right there. <laughs> Uh, so, friend shout of the show, always. Shout, and shout out to the lower oh, deck. Yeah, it's sure. been far too long <laughs> yes. since I've been there. Yes, it is a good spot. Uh, is there a feeling in that building, and I'm sure the Rangers would f- probably feel it as well, that maybe the series changed on that goal from Andre Palat? Oh, I have no doubt that the Lightning are in their heads now a little bit because it's interesting, right? It's the Rangers who come here with a 2 nothing series lead. They were dominant in Game 1. They had the Lightning kind of running around and disorganized for probably the better part of Game 2 as well. And the Lightning score that goal you just heard in the final minute. They get out of here with a one-goal win, and yet it's we're talking about here come the Lightning instead of the Rangers are still in control. That's just the mindset uh, when you are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. You know, we can talk about analytics and Corsi and all these fancy stats, and they are relevant. But if there was a stat for will and commitment and experience, the Lightning would rank very high in all of that. They, it's, it's a true... Uh, it really is an effect here with this Tampa Bay Lightning team. The belief and the and we've talked about this just I think in round one when I came on with you guys. Yeah. They realize that it's right there. That history a three peat is right there, and uh, they know when to turn it on. And they have certainly turned it on. They started to really kind of begin to find their game. I feel in game two in the third period, and then when you look at game three, they dominated a lot of the five on five statistics and despite the fact it was a one goal game and they just got out of there they really did have a strong performance and i'm sure the rangers are thinking okay we're gonna have to take ours to another level you know it's funny when you came on with us in the first round i was looking at andre vasilevsky's save percentage and it was around 880 when we had you on and thinking if andre vasilevsky is that andre vasilevsky the leafs just might be through their first round finally and lo and behold he found his game but this is a real interesting matchup because if there's someone that can go toe-to-toe with this goalie, it's Igor Shesterkin. Who's been the better goalie through three games? I think you could probably make a case for Shesterkin. The, I mean, the obvious uh, main stat is that the Rangers are leading 2-1, to one, but if you look at the, the, the high-danger saves that he was making, the Lightning had 52 shots on net, 84 shot attempts. The 52 shots are a franchise record for a regulation playoff game, and, and he is making the saves that he needs to make. And, you know, we know that he's had a spectacular regular season, but he's never been here. He's never been tested like this in the playoffs in a building like this against a team like this, and I thought he stood up to that challenge obviously very well. I think both goalies have made timely stops. I think uh, Andre Vasilevsky has certainly found his game since we last talked. I mean, neither he nor Jack Campbell had a great start to that series in round one statistic wise but from game the third period of game six right through round two Andre Vasilevsky was 978 save percentage (laughs) now the Rangers have put a couple past him here Tim as you know but uh, a lot of their big time goals have been scored with the man advantage both teams have three power play goals but uh, five on five I think both goalies are really 
like putting on a show. Jesse and I in studio often refer to chuckles per 60. Yeah. It's it's something that just makes you laugh. And when you hear 978, you, the chuckles per 60 for Andre Vasilevsky just went Big up. Time. <laughs> just went up a yeah. wee bit. Listen, I know you know Tampa really well. And listen, if you're a hockey fan, you know the Lightning really well because they've won back-to-back cups. Um, but you're getting the Rangers, not in your division. You're seeing them a lot. Who's jumped out at you the most outside of Shesterkin? Because there's a few names on this team that not a lot of people know inside and out, but are real good players. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I, I've just got to say the kid line. Can I lump all three together? Yep. Five on five, this is the biggest problem the Lightning have had in three games. It's Heedle. It is uh, Le, um, Lafreniere. Lafreniere, yes, yeah. and Kako. I mean, they are really, and they've, they've scored a couple of big goals by running around on that Lightning end and getting things done. And it's, it's almost like they don't know what they don't know, these guys. They all have a little bit of playoff experience, but that was from the bubble, and that was very brief. And right now, they have really raised their game, especially Heedle. Boy, you give him a chance to bury one, and he's uh, getting it done so i think those guys right off the top of my head adam fox is a guy i've not seen live enough we all know that he's won a norris trophy that he's put up some spectacular numbers but watching him live he, he is very shifty he's not a big guy at all but boy oh boy does he think the game and he's hard to hit and he can really see the ice and he can control the play as well so i've enjoyed uh, watching adam fox live where you can really pick up all the nuances that you sometimes don't see on television. Yeah, especially from that vantage point in the uh, press box. Before we go, about a minute left here. Earlier in the hour, we heard from John Cooper on Braden Point. Where do you think this is? Is this just reporters bring this up to him and he has to answer the question? Or do you think there might even be a possibility that we'll see him in this series? Oh, there's a possibility. I mean, uh, the Lightning win tonight and is going six. We know that. And uh, the both teams are very good at home, so the likelihood of a seven-game series is strong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was saying today that the long, with every win, we get closer to getting Braden Point back. He's asked every day. You know how it is. Yep. The reporters have to ask just in case he goes, yeah, no, he's in tonight. <laughs> uh, but we knew he wasn't going to be because uh, he hasn't really ramped up his, his skating yet. He is skating, and John Cooper did say that he is making progress every day day so that's a good sign his loss is massive yes the lightning won a stanley cup largely without steven stamkos a couple of years ago but uh there's just more to he's your number one center and he plays 200 feet and he can check and there's just uh, a a lot more not that stamkos is not huge in many situations but uh the the loss of point right now is not something they want to play with for very much longer no leader in goals in each of the last two postseasons clutch goals too clutch knows when knows when we just had mary philippe poulain on the show who is the epitome of clutch goals Braden points right there Uh, appreciate you mr randorf thanks for doing this again and who knows maybe there'll be another round will you join us here on tim and friends yeah or another round for you and i at the lower deck deck, either way it's fine with me uh i think you may have gotten the second one there is dave randorf in tampa thank you dave time for a break from one canadian broadcasting legend to another this is james Sharman, dave randorf and now Ron McLean. I'm Adam Sharman to the mix. He'll join us with his takeaways on the Oilers plus the East final. Maybe some coaching talk in the mix. We'll do it all next right here on the Friends. Welcome back, friends. Game four, Eastern Conference final on tap tonight as the Lightning try and even their series with the Rangers. Hockey Central comes your way. 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific on Sportsnet, followed by the game on Sportsnet. 
Penn CBC and the star of both Sportsnet. Penn CBC is our friend Ron McLean, who joins us now from what is the comfortable chair yes. at the NHL on Sportsnet Studios. I like this look. Yeah, Kevin did it yesterday, right? So <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, if it's good enough for Kevin with those fancy socks he has, just polka dot tonight. He's kind of uh, putting in a lukewarm effort for the big show this evening. But anyway, two quick things. Dave Randorf, you mentioned the lower deck in Nova Scotia. Yes. Dave comes to an annual summer solstice party in Niagara. Taz Winery has it. Uh, he won't this year because he's a big-timer down Working. in Florida now. But, yeah, I've shared uh, drinks with him there and love to spend time with Dave. And then Jesse's back, and I wanted Jesse to know hey. that uh, he's come back from Missouri with Dad and his brother enjoying a great trip by the sound of it. Hi, Jesse. Welcome home. Thank you, Ron. Uh, George, George Lyon won the uh, gold medal at the Olympic Games 1904 in St. Louis. He created the Lampton Golf and Country Club here oh, in Toronto. Nice. He won it uh, going away. He was an eight-time amateur champion, and then he went to defend it in London in 1908. Uh, and the Scots and the Brits got into an argument, uh, or the English, uh, over the rules. So they never had the golf tournament at the London Olympics. And they said, well, George, you're defending champion. You can have the gold. And he would not take it. That is the oh, Canadian really? have, have either of you played Lambton? Yes. Beautiful. I have not. I hear, nice I hear great things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a test. Uh, the great Doug, Doug Sellers was a, an unbelievable producer for CBC Sport and for Hockey Night in Canada. And we lost Doug playing hockey at the age of 50. He's come to a heart attack, uh, but that was his home club, and that's where we had the celebration of his life. And, uh, yeah, it will always be a special place. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll talk hockey, but I'm going to let you off the hook unless you want to talk about officiating because you and I – no, there it is. I saw, I saw the nod of the head. All right, we'll, I will move completely on from officiating because, to be honest with you, we could argue about calls here or there. Right. Every night, we don't have to do that. Here. Unless you have something no. really interesting, Tim. No, yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, not this time. <laughs> I like to think that I do sometimes, but not this time. Um, I was I was saying off the top of the show that either you win a championship or you're building towards winning a championship. Only one team wins the championship. Mm -hmm. The Edmonton Oilers are in the spot where they're licking their wounds after last night. But do you believe that they're on the right trajectory right now? Oh, and for everything that you said, I mean, when you have Settle and Connor McDavid, uh, you have, it, like Mark used to say, we all kind of knew with Wayne, magical things happened every night and we were just waiting around for it to finally happen. Uh, and they will, it's a cap world, so things are a little different in the way you construct a champion. Iserman always said there can be only one champ, there can be lots of winners, and Edmonton clearly comes out a winner this year. I mean, just looking at that footage of Gabe Landeskog, I mean, they, uh, they're both on a trajectory where they've had some setbacks, but clearly Colorado's have been uh, more disappointing in the last couple of years, and I think in Nathan McKinnon you could just see his resolve and the game he played, and that fifth goal last night was just, again, off the charts, and as Kevin has uh, described and will continue to describe on uh, Hockey Central tonight, and Kelly mentioned it, Kale McCarr is like Bobby Orr. So we're getting to see Kale, and it's not just Kale. It's Adam Fox, and it's Victor yeah. Hedman, and it's, uh, that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, the, the game has developed into this. Uh, it's gone back 100 years. You have rovers now. Uh, yeah. You have these defensemen who are the rover. And uh, in the case of Edmonton, Duncan Keith, you know, he was a 2015 Conn Smythe Trophy winner, so it's a little past for, for Duncan. He was great, and he did so much to help them get to where they got this year. Uh, but that'll be the big thing, a healthy Darnell Nurse and uh, a healthy Leon Dreisaitl. And those, those key things are there. Uh, now you just got to kind of build around it. Uh, the, the Connor McDavid, like, I, just to kind of, like, sit for a second with someone who was around when... Gretzky was in his prime. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we're comparing him to Gretzky without caveats or qualifiers is astonishing. And I never thought that we would get there, but 
having seen both of them, like, do, do you see similarities that go beyond the points? Well, you know, Wayne didn't do his uh, dipsy-doodling at warp speed. He, he was a beautiful skater, really deceptively strong skater. And I remember Elvis Stoiko sitting at the All-Star Game in 93 in New York City, and we were looking at Fedorov and Mike Gartner and a you know, who's who of great skaters. And I said, who's the best one, Elvis? And he said, well, Wayne, for sure. His blades never leave the ice. I was kind of taken a little bit aback at that. Uh, but that was Wayne. He, he would always find the way to get to the loose puck. He would always be on breakaways. And, but he wasn't Connor fast. Bobby Orr was Connor fast back in the day uh, by comparison. But Bobby didn't dipsy-doodle like that. He, Bobby's magic was his vision, too. And he had a great backhand, like Mario Lemieux. He could ma- move the puck on the backhand. But this guy, the, look at that. That, that is what is so stunning about Connor McDavid. And, and I love that he makes uh, everyone around him better. He is a pass-first guy. don't know if you heard earlier in the playoffs, we were saying the guy he kind of thought he could pattern his game after was Tyler Bozak. It's like, Tyler Bozak? <laughs> you know? uh, but anyway, uh, he, he loved Bozak for the, the way he played a pass-first game, and he was a responsible 200-foot guy. And that's what Connor is. He's, a, you know, he's still a young captain. Wayne didn't get the, you know, people forget, Wayne didn't get the captaincy right away. He got it the year they won the Stanley Cup. But Lee Fogelin, Al yeah. Hamilton, a few other veterans, Ron Chipperfield, they were kind of there to protect him. Uh, Connor has taken that on at a young age, youngest captain ever. Landeskog, ironically, is the second youngest captain ever. And that's not an easy gig. Steve Eiserman always said, I could do a lot of things on the ice and in the room, but there were lots of elements to being the captain the wives' room, the media, there was just so much depth and scope to uh, what you have to try and be the middle person uh, in, a, in that role. And Connor's uh, coming into it uh, nicely. We did a magical job in that L.A. series. Obviously, they did a great job as a team against Calgary, and then I think uh, injuries just began to catch up. I love when you talk about how uh, great players talk about other players. And I, I, I don't know that I've heard... Anyone or ex-pros talk about anyone like they talk about Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know you mentioned that Rover and the great players, but it seems to me that former pros are in awe of what McCarr is doing right now. And sure. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've watched him as much as I watched him in the last little while. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. Telling a little secret here, because Adam Graves works with the New York Rangers, and he's part of uh, how they choose draft picks each and every year so yeah. i'm sorry to do this to you adam but uh we're doing the clancy award this evening on hockey net in canada adam won it the year they won the cup 1994 right. i'll never forget adam went out to see uh the brooks bandits uh he came back to my home in oakville we're neighbors carrie plays with uh violet adam's wife they play hockey together and adam sat down and said uh i don't care he's ranked 10th uh he's my number one adam knew right there and, and just as you said yeah. players know and uh, last night, Kevin showed a clip. Uh, it was kind of in a montage. <laughs> we tried to show it in the first intermission, and that went by the boards. But it was later in the game where there was a scene behind the net where there was a loose puck. Now, you got to remember, uh, it might have been McDavid a minute 15 into a shift and Kale seven seconds into a shift. Uh, could have been a lot of other things. Maybe a body check on McDavid had just happened. Right. But in that moment, with that loose puck, in uh, three steps, Kale had pulled away from Connor which just doesn't happen. Paul Coffey had that. He had two steps from goal line to blue line. And Kale, because he does the, you know, nine and three or heel to heel a lot, you know, he's unusual. Now it's very common, but the way he accelerates is often with his skates like such. Uh, And you can't believe that he can generate the speed that he does, Uh, but he does. Uh, And and everybody talks about McDavid breathlessly, and 
breathlessly, and this is the way you talk about Kale McCarr. Yeah, it's funny. Going into the series, Jesse and I, uh, we, we had this little fantasy draft. Who do you draft in this series? Like, just put all of the stars into one pot, and you have to go one through five is what we said. And both of us agreed, and people thought we were stirring the pot, that Kale McCarr was the second pick after McDavid. And after the series, I don't know how many people would think we're stirring the pot as much as we were to start the series, because he is, I mean, I said he might be the best defenseman that I've seen since Bobby Orr. For sure. Uh, There have been, you know, like Paul could fly, and there's different, you know, Chris Pronger was the great first passer and a dominant physical press. Scott Niedermeyer could skate like the wind, but he didn't have that offensive touch that McCarr has. That's probably the biggest thing about Kale is that he's got what you would normally associate a Brian Leach or Adam Fox, mm-hmm. or uh, Paul Coffey, but he's got the defensive game to go with it. And to have that uh, double whammy is, uh, I mean, they'll be very tough. To st- the only thing that might get in their way is these 9 to 12 days off yeah. that they have between series. Uh, you know, you get a lot of time to think about uh, the parade and uh, the day with the cup and all that stuff, and that might just be uh, a bit of a hindrance as they get out of the gate in the series. And, you know, I, I will say their net minding isn't what the other two teams you know, right. whoever wins out of the Tampa New York series, they Agreed. don't have that. So that Agreed. might be the equalizer. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is the latest one mm-hmm. uh, to be fired. He's fired by the Boston Bruins. It shocked a few people. I, I, just on a grand scale, are you surprised how many absolutely huge name coaches are currently without a job right now? Yeah, Boston's no surprise in a way. That's kind of their. Uh, Methodology. He gets to 399 games, and it's almost like 400 is the cutoff. Uh, they, they've had a history of moving coaches. Harry Sinden, uh, I think, was you know kind of like Glenn still pulls the strings over in New York. Harry was always a an idea that you, you need to be fresh, uh, and there, there's probably a shelf life. But Bruce did an amazing job. Uh, just a great run coming off of uh, you know he he maintained all of the structure that Claude Julian had instilled, um, but he was a he was a spark. I think Boston, you know, Bobby Clark always said to me, Ron, when cities hire, they should really think about the town they're in. Like Philadelphia needs a certain type. Toronto needs a certain type to be able to deal with media and all that comes with that. And in Pat Quinn and Pat Burns, they would find it. And, uh, you know, now Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are learning the ropes in that, uh, you know, kind of a difficult situation. But for sure, Bruce Cassidy, to me, was a very Boston kind of guy. He was a... Yeah, he, he was great with the media, loves to tell stories. Uh, he was a perfect coach, but they don't last in Boston. And to your point, uh, I think that, that kind of runs for the 32 teams. It's hard to maintain that career. And some coaches, Mike Keenan uh, moved around and was successful everywhere he went. Obviously, Scotty Bowman's the best example of it. Uh, but it isn't easy to, to – Ken Hitchcock did it. Uh, Daryl Sutter has done it. Uh, but Bruce will surface and yeah. uh, do a great job in his next stop. Uh, best coach I ever knew, Tom McAuliffe, uh, who <laughs> coached me and moreover my three brothers because I sucked. And uh, you know who his assistant coach was a few years? Henry Graves. Ah, for heaven's sake. I knew there was a connection there. To, yeah. Well, <laughs> so Adam's, uh, you know, th- there's a reason uh, his number's in the rafters at Madison Square Garden. And it's, uh, of course, you know, he just, uh, Kreider and he are tied now with combined regular season and playoff goals, 62 uh, Kreider will probably go by him here at some point in this yeah. series. Uh, but it's what he did off the ice and still does in the community down in New York City. And he does it again here in Canada with a thing called Smile Zone. It's where they put uh, sort of happy places in hospitals and health care centers around the country for kids. And he's an incredible human being, Adam. And, yeah, so when the Clancy goes out tonight, whoever gets it will be doing it uh, like Lanny McDonald or, or Henrik Sedin or 
Adam Graves, not bad. And, and just like you, whenever I hear that kid line, uh, you think back to those Edmonton teams and what Adam Graves did with that kid. It's funny. Line. John Cooper must think, boy, I had the triplets. I put together, you know, <laughs> yeah. Andre Pallotta, Nikita Kucherov, and Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and now he's looking across the bench at a buddy, Gerard Gallant, having fashioned a kid line. And, yes, it's definitely shades of Muckler and Sather, but it's, uh, it's really a little bit of John Cooper there at what New York's got going on. I always love talking hockey with you. Thanks for doing this, Ron. Yeah, thanks. Welcome back, Jess. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Ron. Ron McLean from the Comfy Chair. It's just so classy. At the uh, on the NHL. How does he know everything? Also, it's just he's a like no. He's a consumer. Yeah, but how do you retain that? Oh, that I don't. That's the key to life. (laughs) Life would be so much easier because everything you read, every story you hear, you just retain it. You know, it's funny. Like I always think in my head. Uh, I have a sign in my room, actually. It says, follow through. Yeah. Like, follow through. Like, you think about it. Yeah. Uh, one of those things. Yeah, golf swing, <laughs> baseball swing, yeah. uh, life, follow through. Yeah. It's one thing to think about it. It's one thing to hear it. To retain it and to be able to use it again, the follow through. Shocking. And that's what Ron McLean's got. I All right, know. Time for one last break. That man right there will take over with last call next. Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McCallum, and we continue with Tim and Friends. Next! Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, and it's now time for Jesse to take the reins with last call. Ooh, okay, let's uh, let's begin. We started. What? You, you what? can't do a dog pound bark. Why not? And not expect me to stop you and say, "Where the hell did that come?" from? I don't know. I'm just pumped. I, I like. I, You're the ready story, to go. Just, so we, we we began uh, the show. One of the stories in Jesse first first. Rubinoff. One of the first stories. Arsenio That's the same thing as you doing ooh, 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 ooh. That's right. I can't believe you started a block like that. Just, you know, content for end of the week. That's all we're trying to achieve here. That's, that's what oh, we live I, for. You mean the end of the week saw it. I yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just okay. the, the two minutes where we just steal the best. Um, so we started talking about the live golf tour, whatever you want to yeah. call it, whatever you want to call it, uh, no laying up with a very interesting tweet in the last little while, expecting an announcement later this week that Bryson, who is Bryson DeChambeau, will be playing the Portland Live event, mm. which is coming up the uh, not event. this week, it's the second, yeah. so I'm not sure if that means he would be, he could get a waiver from the PGA Tour, but that's highly unlikely. So From everything that we're hearing from the PGA Tour, no one's getting Oh, wait. No, so he would be leaving the PGA Tour effectively if that's true. Right. Which is shocking. I think the more guys that jump, the more people will think, I got to go too. Yeah. And the numbers will dwindle, though. Like, do you think that there's ever a chance where the Live Tour takes over from the PGA Tour or the EPGA Tour or the World Tour as it's known now? Yeah, I think it will take years if that's going to happen, but if the pockets are limitless enough... Like, guys that are scraping by to be on the PGA Tour then go to the Live Golf Tour and are getting paid millions of dollars just to show up. Like, how do you, you know, you've been struggling for years and years and years, and then you just go play there and get millions? Like, no, that's hard know, to turn it's down. The, it's not the struggling guys that will take you over the top, right? Right. But the paying the younger crop early yeah, is was, how you beat them. And you and I were talking about that. Like, there were rumors that they were going to offer, like, Amateurs. high prospects. Yeah, like $6 million. Just to, to go, go and then 250k per start. You heard what the offer Tiger, right? That he turned down. Yeah, we did that yesterday on the show. Uh, I, Greg Norman. High digit. 
nine figures. Is it a bigger flex to turn down almost a billion dollars or take a billion dollars? Both are ridiculous flexes that I couldn't comprehend. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I think turning down is, is just, I don't need a, almost a billion dollars. Uh, okay, let's go, let's go to boxing. Naoya uh, Inoue stopped Nonito Donaire in the second round of a rematch from their fight Thank in 2019. You. Inoue's win unified three bantamweight world titles. Tim, should Inoue be a bigger name in sports? For those of you who sit here and tell me that we need to cover Jake Paul or things like that, I understand there is an entertainment value, but if you're watching for the boxing, you're an idiot. If you want to watch real boxing, that right there might be your pound-for-pound greatest fighter on planet Earth. Wow. And yet nobody outside of boxing, hardcore fans, know who he is. And to me, that is the damning indictment of promoters all over boxing. That guy needs to be known. And maybe if he steps up, it looks like, I mean, he's already dominated three weight classes to this point. Mm -hmm. If he steps up another, there are two guys in a weight class above him that could make this really, really interesting. Boxing's in a really unique place. And those Paul brothers could actually do good for the game. But they got to start bringing in guys like this. Because that was an unbelievable performance today and probably puts him number one pound for pound in the world. And yet, there's a lot of people watching right now who don't even know who he is. All right, quickly, I want to get to one last story. A Super Bowl winning 23 coach. 23-0 with 20 KOs. And Donaire's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's going to be. Uh, Sean McVay got married over the weekend. In an appearance on the I Am Athlete podcast, the Rams head coach revealed that there was an unexpected guest at the celebration. Have a listen. I just invited the captains from last year's team. And then there was a couple other guys that are retired players that you still have great relationships with. And Odell and I had a great relationship. I mean, I love Odell. And so only in Odell's fashion could he be the wedding crasher at our wedding. So O showed up, crashed the wedding, and I loved it that he was still there. Odell crashed the wedding. I'm sure there was a moment where he said, Coach, come get me the best part no i said you crashed my wedding you resigned with the rams then man i mean oh, you get that's all right that's a given right there wedding crashers cut or uncut the movie or the real thing no, the, the movie, movie is completely uncut and sure. utterly yeah. uncut I'm and near classic yeah uh actual wedding crashers sketch very sketch like, really why were they all the players in you can't afford it i'm sure what is it like every player 53 what is it a dress roster, yeah, dress but then roster. you got practice roster guys. These guys aren't coming. Come on, make man. the team if you, you want to make you, the wedding. You dress. can't do football. We're a family, and then <laughs> just that's, invite the that's dress bad for the culture. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's what's available tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Good to have you back, Jesse.